Hey, friends. On Plain Spoken, I've got a number of different things that I do, and I appreciate you being along for the ride on all of them. One of the series that I've been doing for a while is on different Wesleyan denominations and what makes them distinct and and uh, what kind of congregations would be good for those denominations. And uh, most of you know I'm a global Methodist church clergy, and yet I haven't interviewed someone from the GMC to talk about their distinctives. So um, I, I wanted to do that today, and then I'm also starting on a new series, which is interviewing the different presidents pro tempore of different uh, provisional conferences around uh, the United States, but also as provisional conferences get started around the world. I don't want to show any preference at all, but I, <laughs> I am going to show preference uh, in this one for my new uh, president pro tempore, uh, the Reverend Jordan McFall. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You drove over from how how far was the drive this morning? About three hours. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. First thing in the morning on the road and and uh, getting things done. I I uh, I hate being on the road. I love living in a small town where I don't have to go anywhere. But you're going to be on the road a lot, I think. I am. Yeah. It's part of the part of the role and uh, part of what I feel like God has called me to. Even mm-hmm. though that means changes for for me and for my family and my church and just trusting the Lord and what that looks like. So. Yeah. This is you've been okay. So. Uh, I, I knew it was important to to get to know you. We haven't really gotten to talk. Um, we talked in a professional capacity yeah. for some time because I've been working on the TCAT, but I don't know you real well personally. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, my impression is you're, you're still pretty young. You look young. How young yeah. are you? I'm 36. I, I, I'm going to venture to guess I'll probably be the youngest president pro tempore um, out there. And so um, I was not expecting this, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, God really... Um, did did some stuff to make this happen, I suppose, and I wrestled with it, but I'm just trusting the Lord in in this. So yeah, well, I serving with you. One of the things that I notice you're very organized, mm-hmm. and I think that that's very important, and not just to be organized, but to know what information is mm-hmm. important and what information isn't. Not to get sucked into yeah. the minutia, but to yeah. know the big things. And so I've noticed you being really good at organizing information and then acting on it and then working in concert with others to do it. So that's, that's uh, you know, there's, there was one other person that ran for the position who I thought was also fantastic yeah. and had a lot of good gifts, and, and you both were very amicable with each other. But even so, this is um, my understanding. Okay, so let's start with uh, my understanding of the president pro tempore is it's a stand-in position until we get more bishops. Correct. Okay, yes. yeah. so say more about what that role is going to be like for you and for the other presidents pro tempore. Yeah, I think um, I'll speak to what I, I think and I know, but I think it's it, it's going to morph and be different as we move along. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is um, in the Global Methodist Church, we have, we're provisional, we're, we're new, we, right. we haven't had a general conference yet, and so... Um, we don't have resident bishops. Um, right. We haven't decided what that's going to look like in the future. And so President Pro Tempore is kind of standing in the gap to help local conferences, what I would say, uh, build their structure mm-hmm. in order to resource churches, in order to to serve the local churches and clergy and get things set up for, um, to, to get things yeah, in line and set up for what God is calling each specific conference to be right. within the Global Methodist Church, and really helping set that up so that when uh, bishops are elected and mm-hmm. do uh, do assume the role of leadership in a conference, that 
that things are in a good place for them to be able to lead in deeper ways. And so I see it twofold. One as a cheerleader, chief cheerleader of the conference and spiritual leader, um, but also uh, a, a chief strategist visioning, really seeking the heart of the Holy Spirit and of, of Jesus for what, what God wants for the specific conference, but then also the GMC overall. Yeah, it seems to me, well, and the United Methodist Church had the same issue where you have administrators and then you have visioners, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily the same thing, and there's not Correct. always a lot of overlap. So do you feel like you're called to both equally, or do you think you're particularly guilt, uh, gifted in one area or another? I So when, uh, when I talk about or look at my spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. um, w- one of my primary, is, my primary one is administration, and yeah. so uh, getting, those, getting things in order, I say God has gifted me to help get the house in order in many yeah. ways, and and um, but my secondary is is leadership and yeah. visioning. I have a heart for that, and so um, I'm unique. I, I feel like I mean, not unique. Everybody can have giftings in, sure. in different ways, but um, but but um, it's not by my strength. But but the Lord just really giving me those those gifts of administration and leadership. Uh, I think will play well into this role, um, however long it's for. You know. Yeah. Do you? Do you know if you have aspirations for uh, trying to to take a, a leadership position that's more permanent in the form of a bishop, or do you feel like right now your your role is kind of as a midwife for what becomes? I would say right now my role is as, as a midwife. I um, I have never really thought about uh, taking on a role of bishop. I've never aspired to that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, I um, and, and so I, I'm just like. I feel like the Lord has has directed my my step in this direction, mm-hmm. um, and so I just really want to seek the Lord. So this, if if this position is a midwife position, and um, I can go back to serving a local church, I'll be perfectly happy. Yeah. If if God called me to more, I'd probably struggle with it, because yeah. um, uh, I honestly like to kind of be in the background, um, and the Lord has kind of thrust me in the forefront now, um, and so. Um, but I've never, that's never been in my, like, I want to be a bishop. I want to, I just want to serve um, mm-hmm. and serve serve God's kingdom and the Wesleyan stream and and be faithful to what God is calling me to. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So 36 years old, mm-hmm. serving in Kansas. Yes. Um, perhaps it'd be good to hear your personal testimony of how it is that you came to Christ Jesus and how it is that you found yourself in ministry. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So I I grew up in the United Methodist Church. Um, my I, I grew up in uh, actually Rose Hill um, is the town I grew up in, and um, grew up grew up in the faith. Grew up being taught about about Jesus. Grew up learning about what it meant to follow Jesus. Um, and went went through confirmation. I, I would say that I got taught a lot in confirmation. I don't know that. Um, that was like a, a clear. Um, you got like, the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Yes, I got, and got loosey goosey biblical interpretation and <laughs> yeah, very yeah. good. Okay, um, so um, uh, and and but God was working in that. You know, God's mm-hmm. grace was working and moving in that. It really was um, a little bit later in high school. I had a, a solid youth director who really began to pour into me and really challenge me and. And just really, I saw God at work and moving in that, and really um, began to get a hold of my heart. Mm-hmm. I had, you know, I had a lot of head knowledge, but like 
um, God really began to move and, and speak uh, to me in, in that time. And Did you have anybody in your family that was like a fervent believer? Yeah, so both both my parents have really modeled, uh, really modeled, they, they took, we went to church every Sunday. Um, in fact, um, my, my mom, um, she felt called in the church to start a childcare ministry to serve the town. Oh, wow. um, and when, when the church I was at started, um, moved to a new building, she applied for grants and just felt like that was God's calling upon her life. And so she modeled, modeled that for me. And then my dad is just, he was servant hearted. He, he, um, I mean, he'd work 60-hour work weeks at his job in the aircraft industry and then just serve, come home and repair stuff at the child care center and serve and, and do stuff. And so they were Excellent. more in the background but modeled what it meant yeah. To, yeah. to follow. follow well, Christ. yeah, a big problem in churches is a lot of times there's too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I don't know that that's a politically correct thing to say anymore, but the, the notion being that everybody wants things their own way, but uh, the real treasures are people that can just happily, joyfully, quietly work alongside yeah. others. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you had them uh, modeling faith for you. You had a, a, a youth director that was pouring into you and, and yeah. helping you take your faith more seriously. What, what kind of teenager were you? Were you uh, was as, as he poured into you, did he have a, were you receptive? Did you walk well in the faith or did you, uh, I was personally quite rebellious. I didn't do well. Um, was there much struggle for you, or has this been a, a, a more blessed affair for you than it was for me? I, I would say I was not a rebellious teenager, um, but I did fight God when he uh, was was calling me into ministry and, and those pieces. Um, as I went to college, uh, my plan was go to, to go to law school. Um, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I was getting my business degree so that I could uh, go on to law school and practice corporate law. That oh, was wow. a plan I had set forth, and and uh, I say um, th- I went off to college. I, I became a part of Navigators Campus Ministry and was discipled. Is that males only? Is Navigators, or is that co-ed? It's co-ed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of something else. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and that morphed into, uh, at the time, there's a transition on, on campus where the staff there moved to student mobilization. And so um, I was discipled by, by one of the directors there directly. And, and really, what I'd like to say, I sensed God calling me to ministry, and I kept ignoring it because it wasn't my plan. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and fought it quite a bit um, and went back and forth. And I still remember, I know it sounds funny, but I still remember um, going to um, like that, that back and forth. And so finally I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to go on like a three-day retreat. And, and I think literally my prayer to God was, we're going to duke this out. Okay. Because I don't want to follow this. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, um, and... Um, God obviously won in that, yeah. um, and I just went went on a three day retreat and a day and a half. I left my phone behind, left you know, just took my Bible and disconnected, and and um, God made it clear and set set my direction moving forward. And so um, that radically shifted a, a lot of things for me. How old were you at that wilderness uh, point? Nineteen or twenty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then after that point, you you immediately got involved in the candidacy process for clergy and the UMC. Yeah. So after that point, um, 
Well, I I wouldn't say immediately. Um, I after that point, one of the things that that uh, the campus ministry kept stressing was, um, how are you living strategically for for the gospel? Oh, wow. um, um, I joined uh, a fraternity um, to share Christ with with the guys um, there. I um, on campus with my summers, I began to pray. All right, Lord, like how can I best use my summers? So I started interning at a um, a Methodist church over their youth program. Only it wasn't your normal internship. You know, normally internships uh, you go learn under the person, and the senior pastor was there and taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. But the reason they had interns at this church was because their youth pastor went off to missions every summer for okay. three months. Yeah, and so we just it, the interns were there to do the job. Yeah, like yeah, um, <laughs> to and, fill in. For, yeah, okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, uh, so that's when I began after that that kind of the candidacy process and began. Um, that whole process of, of determining where to go to seminary. Um, I spent three months in, in Tanzania between when I graduated uh, my undergrad, undergrad degree and went off to seminary at Angel House Orphanage um, in Turime, Tanzania. And um, that was another wrestling thing with God. Sure. Um, yeah. but, um, and then went to Asbury Seminary where I got my master's of divinity degree and God continued to deeply shape and form me mm-hmm. um, there in significant ways. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be... I, I've never cared much about what seminary a person goes to. Uh, taking the energy to figure out what makes each seminary distinct from uh-huh. each other, just I'm lazy in, in my mm-hmm. thinking. But it, it seems to me that at this particular juncture, uh, a lot of GMC people coming to be clergy want to figure out, okay, what seminary is yeah. going to bring out the best in me. Do you want to make a plug for Asbury at all? Is there anything you'd recommend about it, or uh, where do you think it stands uh, with respect to the other institutions that that can give MDivs mm-hmm. at this point, or are you as ignorant as, as I am about this stuff and just know you got a good deal at Asbury? Um, I, I would say, I mean, yeah, I would plug Asbury. It's an mm-hmm. amazing, um, amazing institution, and, and because I, I feel like it, it's spirit-led. The professors there, the... Um, they're really a lot of them in my time and experience here. They're humble. Mm. Um, uh, they're they're God has given them knowledge. They're brilliant, and yet they're not arrogant. Mm. Um, and that's a first piece. The second piece is a lot of times, you know, the joke is you go to seminary. It's a cemetery, right? Like Ooh, uh, I hadn't heard that. You haven't heard that. No, like people no. go to seminary and they lose their faith, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and at, my time at Asbury was. Um, not just knowledge-based, it was spiritually awakening and forming. Right. I mean, yeah. periods of just um, repenting, falling on the on the floor, you know, crying out to God, like mm-hmm. areas of brokenness, like that God just really um, did a work on my heart and my mind. Yeah. Um, and so it was forming not just knowledge, but but spiritually. Yeah. Um, I know there are other great seminaries. I don't know as much about them, but you know, I know in the GMC uh, United and um, Wesley Biblical, and there are there are many others out there that are great. But my my experience was with Asbury. So yeah, I hadn't appreciated until just recently. Okay, United is one of the thirteen United Methodist seminaries. Uh-huh. Has David Watson though, and several other yeah uh, uh, very influential people in the GMC. But then Wesley Biblical is much more uh, they probably wouldn't use the word fundamentalist but they're 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 much bigger on um, 
a biblical interpretation mm-hmm. that is much more strict, yeah. whereas United would be much more comfortable with various modes of yes. uh, biblical interpretation. Do you think that Asbury sits somewhere in between those two? Or do you, th- do you think that Asbury goes to one side or the other so far as how they generally teach their, chil- their students to read the Bible? <laughs> I think, um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I've heard great things about Wesley. I don't know it well enough to, you know, be able to, I feel like, compare. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that um, Asbury holds very, very high regard for the Scriptures, mm-hmm. um, but also um, just following the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and those pieces— um, and so, um, I suppose, yeah, it might be possibly in between, but, or, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. well, not everything exists on a continuum, yeah. uh, so that it can be a helpful way of talking about things, it can also be really yeah. unhelpful, yeah. so it's just something that I'm selfishly interested in, because yeah. I'm about to interview Andy Miller III uh, at, oh, at yeah. uh, Wesleyan Biblical, and um, having followed up, uh, I've already interviewed David Watson, okay. and I realized I'm I'm going into these waters, kind of whether or not uh, yeah. there are a lot of people that are just interested in that. So I'm going to yeah. be doing that. So, um, so you went to Asbury. You graduate. You got your MDiv. What year? Um, you would ask me that. I yeah. can't tell you the exact year. So I actually um, went there. Um, I'm I'm bad about remembering the year I graduated, That's, and I'll yeah. tell you why. Because yeah. um, I went there, uh, met my wife Megan there. She's from North Carolina, um, and so we we met there and got married uh, there in Kentucky. Actually, did you? Um, and um, and so, but spent three three years there full time. Um, but then decided I didn't want to go into any more debt. And right, so I didn't yeah. finish my degree. I moved back to Kansas. We, Wait, you didn't finish your MDiv? I did. Okay. Eventually. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did eventually. Well, yeah. Of course, you had um, to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I, I decided that I was going to move back and work full time um, and take one class at a at a time. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, to finish up my degree, so it mm-hmm. took me about six to seven years instead of the traditional three to four. Um, I had two thirds of the degree done, but I was just like, I can't, I can't take on any more debt. And you were working full time as a clergy. Uh, I didn't start out uh, that way. I I moved back, worked at Starbucks, uh, okay. and then um, then I worked at Beechcraft Defense Company uh, in in government business, actually. So interesting. Um, uh, and that was I spent two years um, there. I had planned on finishing up there, or uh, you know, working full time there until I finished up my degree, um, and then got a call from. Um, from the district superintendent asking if I'd be interested in um, taking an associate role at a church in Wichita, at a larger church there, and started there. What church was that? That was Aldersgate United Methodist Church. Okay, that's Rick Rick's church, right? No, he's at Asbury. Asbury, yep. Asbury, yeah, yeah. Aldersgate, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, so you served as an associate there, mm-hmm. and yeah. then uh, how long were you there? So I was there for six years in a variety of roles. So I started out as the pastor of missions and outreach um, and um, did did all of that and served in that role. Um, two years in, I la- launched a second campus, so they were out of space um, just on Sunday mornings. And um, so I, they, I was asked to... to begin to put together a team and launch a second campus of Aldersgate, and we, it was called Renew. Um, and so I, I spent um, a period pr- preparing for that, launching that, um, a new campus, and um, and was over that campus for three years. Did you pioneer that whole 
project of yes. that you were at the head of that, and then yeah. were you at the head of leading that that campus afterwards? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I, I say sometimes people hear campus, and there's different ways. Um, mm-hmm. I preached pretty much every Sunday there. I was live there. Um, it wasn't like a sermon piped in um, and led led the planning of that, the implementation of that, the establishing structures and discipleship there, and and all of those pieces. And you did that for four years. Three years. Three years, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess four, we started it a year in, began planning, we sure. launched it, and um, and so that campus um, actually lasted for, I say lasted, um, God moved in, in it for three years. Um, it was um, kind of a, a, a victim of some of this uh, denominational strife stuff, because oh, what, really? what we discovered is um, a lot of those who are theologically evangelical, orthodox, uh, moved over to that campus, yeah, and it, it created some struggles, um, and there were also some leadership struggles, and um, the the leadership team of that campus began praying to see what what next step was because financially they were doing well, um, everything was going great. Um, people, I mean, people were being baptized. We had over a hundred in worship. Things were going well, um, but through a series of um, just um, just the Lord speaking to multiple leadership members. It was an interesting um, thing. Uh, the Spirit, that God was clear that He was calling us to, to close things down and send it forth. Interesting. And, and so um, I, I remember one of the leaders saying, I feel like just as Jesus trained the disciples for three years and sent them out, He's calling us to go out and invest in other ministries and churches. And Is so. it So did the second campus that you planted actually start threatening... Well, I, the impression I get is it started threatening the well-being of the original uh, campus. Uh, uh, did I understand that correctly? Um, <laughs> there was there was some wanting to control things and hindering things from, from the original, and it caused some struggles, yeah. yeah. That's it. I, I honestly haven't heard of that happening very much. Um, and it, I do hear of satellite churches succeeding, mm-hmm. but not at the expense of the mother church. And so, but you, the way you explain that is not, I was a better pastor than the main pastor. It no, was, no. There was a lot of cultural uh, tension and division mm-hmm. going on that is constantly being sifted, and it yeah. got sifted in that context in an unhelpful way. So y'all mm-hmm. had the discernment, actually, to, to re—there was a reintegration from that point, bringing the satellite church back into the mother church, um, there there was a, a little bit, honestly, because of the theological differences. A lot of people moved on to different churches, oh. and so I went back to the main campus for a year. Um, uh, but many chose from the other campus chose not to. I've never actually heard of a scenario like that. Yeah. So it was a gain. Was it a net loss in the end? Of of just members, like were there less people in the end than before you began the the satellite? Um, probably for the main campus, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. yeah, well, that's yeah. not. I mean, yeah. no. so there are some people who are church growth minded, mm-hmm. and they would yeah. say, "Oh, that's a failure." Yeah. And I, I'm not church growth minded. I yeah. just think you have to faithfully yeah. serve, and sometimes that means faithfully serving. You're you're actually going to shrink because you're we are being sifted, you yeah. know. So I I. I, I, to me, that doesn't at all make you look bad. What that makes you look like to me actually is that you have discernment about uh, not short-term growth but long-term gains. So um, 
keep keep that up, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what what I love about it now, I see where some of those leaders are, and mm-hmm. they are leading different churches and ministries, and like so, like yeah, Renew is no longer in existence, but like there are amazing things happening across the kingdom, across yeah. the church right yeah. now, because they they were set forth and they they did go and so yeah there's um, a denominational kind of bigoted mindset where if it doesn't benefit us it doesn't count for anything and that really is a problem you know that yeah. you, you have to be kingdom oriented and i believe in the church catholic i'm i'm very ecumenical in my theology so if it for a time benefits another tribe mm-hmm. great because yeah. in the end christ is going right. to bring about the consummation yeah. of all creation and heck we might even have some of that before he comes again in yeah. glory so yeah. Uh, well, good on you. So you you did six years of ministry total there, mm-hmm. and then you were given another context to do ministry. Yeah, so I trans um, I was I was appointed um, to uh, Goddard United Methodist Church, which is now the Goddard Church, um, and uh, being being appointed there, um, I, um, you know, I, it was it was. Right before, actually, it was in the middle of COVID oh, uh, when everything was shut down. Um, but you know, I had really prayed and, and felt like in the midst of that, I, I knew transition was coming um, with everything, and so um, really just said, uh, told told the cabinet I wanted a church that was theologically aligned, um, and also um, my wife has a lot of health issues um, after our son was born, and so. She can't drive. She can't. There are certain limitations she has, and mm. um, and so all of her doctors are in Wichita. And so I just said, hey, like um, right now in this season, we really need something in that area. And they said, we may not have something for you. And I, I said, okay, like that's fine. Uh, God will provide. And thankfully, uh, there there was a church that opened up, and um, I've been there um, since yeah, 2020. Um, and love, we love it. We love the people there dearly. Um, it's probably one of the hardest things about stepping into this role. Is it a church um, plant? You said it just not. opened up. Okay. No, no, oh, no. the appointment it just yeah, opened up. Yeah, the appointment. Okay. Yeah. So we we love the people there deeply, um, and they're just really solid and deep um, in their walk with with Jesus and in their faith, and um, and desiring, humble enough, like desiring to grow. Um, and are growing mm-hmm. significantly over the last three years, even and excellent. And so, um, yeah. So you're staying in Wichita then, uh, because all your doctors are there. So even though you're leaving the church, are, are you going to continue to worship at Goddard, or is that a no-no in the GMC? There's there's not full clarity on that. Okay. Um, so here's the unique thing: my wife is, uh, even though she has health things, she's the part-time worship leader at Goddard. Oh, great! So yeah. she'll continue to lead worship. Um, uh, that my kids are integrated in the kids ministry there and absolutely love it. So it'll really depend on who the next uh, pastor is that comes in as long as they're, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard of okay with that. former clergy continuing uh-huh. to worship and it going well, but it sure is hard. You yeah. know, and then it's really, hope, we'll just keep you really busy in your yeah. administrative role so that you can't even have time or energy uh, for for uh, local church politics. Uh, so. Yeah, well, and that's, I, you know, that's what I said. I said, my wife may be around, but I may not be around a whole lot. Yeah. And, and um, uh, I mean, the reality is the Heartland area is going to be 170-plus churches. Um, it's not like I'm even, even across, say, this position. I don't know if it's one year or three years or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but even in that, it's not like... 
I couldn't even preach at every church every Sunday. You know, of like course, yeah. it's going to be. Um, so it's just going to be balancing balancing those things. Are you willing to do pulpit supply? Could I call on you to fill the pulpit someday? You could call on me. I can't guarantee I'm available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. So, I just yeah, didn't yeah. even think of that because, yeah. of course, bishops and, and DSs do sometimes yeah. do that in the UMC, and it's yeah. hard to know what things are going to culturally carry over Correct. and, and yeah. what things aren't. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, let's, let's transition to um, the Wesleyan heritage. Yeah. You grew up in the United Methodist mm-hmm. Church. It's, it's all you've ever known. Yeah. For me, there was a point at which I got clear, oh, I am a Wesleyan. Mm-hmm. I am not a Baptist. Mm-hmm. I'm not even an Episcopalian, even though I like them. Um, I, I'm a Wesleyan. I, yeah. I, I came to understand the Wesleyan tradition and claim it as, as my own. Was there a, a similar point for you, or do you find yourself mostly here because it's what you've known, and, and it's your home, and, and that's where you're comfortable and, and planted and serving? Yeah. No, I would say I, I had to wrestle with it. Um, uh, and part of that is, yes, most of my background is is Wesleyan, it's Methodist, um, but um, even though Navigator Student Mobilization, they're, they're non-denominational mm-hmm. campus ministries, um, most of the leadership within them are, are Baptist. Uh, oh, right, sure. And yeah. so, um, and I had significant growth under that discipleship, under, mm-hmm. under those pieces. Um, and so when I first started talking about going to seminary, you know, one of the recommendations to me automatically was Dallas Theological, which, okay. um, and so I really, I, I did have to wrestle through, okay, what are those differences? What, what do I believe mm-hmm. um, is, is theologically what, what I align with, what I feel like God is uh, calling and leading towards, what the scriptures show, all of those pieces. So I, I had to really come come to that um, and, and wrestle through that. Right. Um, and um, in fact, when I was looking at different seminaries, I had uh, multiple options on the table looking at, and I still remember I hadn't applied to any of them. Um, I had never heard of Asbury, actually. Um, wow, yeah. And uh, one random person said, hey, you should really look at Asbury, and I just kind of dismissed it because I'm like, Kentucky, I've never heard of it, I've never been to that state. Like, mm-hmm. um, And then... Um, uh, actually, through a series of events, I felt like the Lord um, told me to throw the other applications in the trash and to only apply Asbury. Oh, and wow. I never visited them before I went. Um, I just applied, got in, and the day I moved to Kentucky was the first time I'd ever been in the state. So, wow. Um, okay, so you're a gambling man. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good to know about you. Yeah. You're, uh, you're open to taking risks. Yeah. 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 So, um, so you were clear before you even applied to Asbury that you're a Methodist or was yes. it once yeah. you went to to Asbury that you got clear on what Wesleyan distinctives you feel strongly about? I would say I was I was pretty clear going in. Asbury helped me just kind of hone in mm-hmm. and and on on some of those things. Um, but but going going into it, I was pretty clear about that. Okay, yeah. so as you are a leader now, mm-hmm. well, you've been leading in a Wesleyan denomination. Now you're really eagle eye view mm-hmm. having uh, your arranging the moving parts yeah. and, and providing for mission and ministry. What what things about the Wesleyan heritage animate you, motivate you, do you, do you cling to in your leadership role that in, inform the kind of leader that we can anticipate you being? Yeah. I would say um, uh, there, there's a few different things, but I, I would say that the major 
a couple of major pieces um, are just the Wesleyan understanding of, of God's grace mm-hmm. um, and how God is moving and working in people's lives and um, that you know salvation it, it's a gift it, it's it's nothing it's nothing that we we do we also but we do receive it right mm-hmm. like we're called to receive it and respond to that gift mm-hmm. um, but but the Wesleyan just the Wesleyan heart um, for for the whole person that God is moving, like the overarching. So before we come to know know Jesus, God's moving, God's spirit is moving. But even especially the distinctive of the call to holiness, mm-hmm. the call to grow, like the moment of salvation, like uh, the justifying grace um, is, is a huge thing and it's so important, but that's not where it ends. Right. Um, like there, there's that deeper call to holiness. There's there's that draw that like uh, we're, we're sanctified but moving on towards perfection yeah. and and those those pieces because um, too often I, I I just I see in in people's lives in the church and in different places where it's like they get to the point of saying yes to Jesus and nobody walks with them forward into what that means to actually follow Jesus in deeper ways. Yeah. And, and so just my observation is, I mean, in the scriptures, right, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and there are a lot of Christians out there walking around as, for lack of better term, zombies. Okay. Um, like, um, they've said yes to Jesus, mm-hmm. and yet they don't have the joy of Christ and the hope of Christ. They're like, well, that's for some future thing when I go to heaven. But no, I think Jesus wants that for us now. He, mm-hmm. he wants life for us now. He wants joy, the, the fruit of the Spirit. That's not just some future uh, unattainable thing. That doesn't mean we won't have t- trials and, and struggles in life. Mm-hmm. Like that, That's a reality. In my family, we experience that with my wife's health stuff, yeah. and yet we have joy. The Lord is with us. Mm-hmm. He is faithful, mm-hmm. um, and, and God wants that for us now. And so just, just those those distinctives of grace of of sanctification and, and going on on to perfection yeah. and and seeking that and and having the humbleness to say God I, I don't know it all yeah like um I mean even now like I'm like yeah I may be in in this position but I'm that doesn't mean I'm the smartest person in the room oh yeah like that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna mess up at times mm-hmm. like um but I am gonna seek the leading of the Holy Spirit and seek the wisdom from the Lord and and seek what God wants for for our conference. Continue to seek after um, what God wants for my life. Yeah. Um, and in those pieces, I don't know if that yeah. answered your question. Yeah. No. The or things if I... I'm digesting from that are you understand the importance of humility, mm-hmm. and so you're not going to be throwing your weight around like you know everything and everybody needs yeah, to get no. with your program, no. um, which is good because the GMC is is hitting a very different tone with respect to mm-hmm. leadership than the UMC. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also hearing, um, okay, so in the, the Heartland area, Baptist theology really is dominant and pervasive mm-hmm. throughout the area, and what we equate that with often is um, a, a singular focus on justification, mm-hmm. not so much on preventing grace, not so much on sanctifying grace, mm-hmm. and to focus on... Uh, the broader ways in which grace operates is um, a, a distinctive that we can offer mm-hmm. that other traditions are not generally offering 
yeah. this area. So when your leadership is motivated, informed by what we have to offer, you know, when you believe in the marketplace of ideas and yeah. that, that each tradition has, you, you are going to help us capitalize on what should be a strength of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, a lot of Methodist churches do kind of sink into the Baptist ethos of the area and focus less on holiness and sanctification. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to support us uh, as we proclaim those distinctives boldly. Yeah. Uh, sanctification, holiness to the Lord, spreading scriptural holiness across the land. Yeah, um, there was another piece on that that I did pick up on, but I'm I'm kind of losing it. One of the questions I'm I'm thinking about is your your role in the church has been informed by campus ministry and large city ministry. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you understand the differences between campus and city ministry, and say a rural environment like what I'm serving here? the dim- different demographics at play, or do you feel like you're going to need to learn more about doing ministry in those contexts in order to uh, allow Wesleyanism to function? Do you think it all functions the same no matter where it's planted, or do you think that that perhaps there are things about rural ministry yeah. that are different and worth appreciating? Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that question. It's not the same. You know, it, it's very different depending... I mean, even in, in larger cities, across different cities, it mm-hmm. can be different, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, um, I mean, having having grown up um, in the Wichita area, like, yes, I, I would say even Rose Hill was more of a... Um, it, it was close enough to Wichita, but it was a, a smaller kind of country feel, a little bit church when, when I was there, Um Goddard, um, Wichita is growing into Goddard, but it's it's very much so um, the the culture there. But even in that, um, even though I'm I've been around cities and things, both my parents grew up in a farm town. I spent summers mm-hmm. um, Sabetha, Kansas, uh, there, um, and I have a deep appreciation for for small towns and the ministry that they sure. do. Yeah. Um, I have loved over the last year and a half. Um, so. Um, the Goddard Church was in in Kansas, Nebraska area. We were the first ones to disaffiliate and and go global Methodist. The rest okay. we went at the July conference. The rest went in October. Mm-hmm. And so I got a lot of phone calls from churches. Can you come talk with us? Can you come share? And and honestly, I've loved I loved traveling to the small small churches from a ten ten membership church. Um, doing awesome ministry. I yeah. mean, the town has just fallen apart around them, and they're serving the kids and sharing Jesus with the kids, and yeah. and uh, doing ministry um, to to larger churches to to a variety of sizes. And so for me, it's about. I've done coaching. I did coaching with a small country church on how they can increase discipleship, and just absolutely loved it. And and sat with them to hear like mm-hmm. how how God was moving and how how the Spirit might be leading in some of those pieces. Right. Um, so so to answer that, like it's different. Sure. In every context, um, and um, the small country churches or, or rural churches are just as vital yeah. and important as the large ones. To me, size doesn't matter. Mm. It's about the discipleship that's happening. It's yeah. about the life change. Are, are you bringing people to Christ, mm-hmm. and are you helping them grow in holiness? Yeah. If the answer to those two questions is yes, that's what matters. Yeah. You know, like, 
maybe we'll get to this a little bit later, maybe not, but, you know, for Heartland area, one of the end, we've got an acronym that the TCAP put together right, of, of yeah. worship, but the end is pursuit of one more. And I, that's my heart, like yeah. kingdom-minded. Are we pursuing one more mm-hmm. for Christ? And a small church can pursue one more. A large church can pursue one more. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't matter what size you are, and yeah. that's so important. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people want to hear that that leadership generally understands that evangelism is not as simple as you just do this and people yeah. come, you yeah. know, and I and so many spent time in the United Methodist Church, whereas, oh, you have your, your vital statistics that you do, and you look at where what demographic group is not being served, and you serve that group, and they come, and mm-hmm. you integrate them into the church, and you have classes, and you move them from one stage to the next, and... You know, it's really just, it's easy. What's your problem? And the the problem is that uh, there are huge demographic and spiritual forces against yeah. the church that often um, there are short-term Band-Aids that cosmetically make things look better, but they're not dealing with the root underlying issues of uh, pervasive sin yeah. and destruction that we're seeing around us. And so that's that's what my churches are, mm-hmm. are engaging with on the ground level. And, and mm-hmm. to worldly eyes, sometimes it looks like we're losing. <laughs> but when you see the, the the integrity of our fellowship continuing to grow, the the integrity of our discipleship, you know, this is this is one of the things I think I, I glommed onto when you were talking before is when we're talking about the importance of holiness, then the immediate conversation that follows is, can we articulate what that looks like? Can we articulate? Because the United Methodist Church said, were about making disciples, but then they couldn't define what a disciple was. Right. There was no yeah. discernment of if these fruits are not being borne out in your life in these ways, you were not a disciple. Mm-hmm. You you were you were not of us. Right. And I'm I'm that's an open question for mm-hmm. the global Methodist Church. Is, yeah. Are we going to be able to articulate a vision not just of growing churches because you can grow a church yeah. on all kinds, but what yeah. what is the spiritual DNA mm-hmm. of a global Methodist that we are trying to inculcate? across the world mm-hmm. at this point. Do you have a sense that that any kind of consensus is going to be reached or is already being reached about what that discipleship looks like, or do you feel like right now that's the conversation that's happening and we need to have it in earnest? I, I would say uh, both and. I would yeah. say um, it's a conversation we're having and, and, and we need to continue it, especially when we start talking about our, our local conferences and areas and mm-hmm. how do we how do we implement this and and how do we how do we support churches in in that discernment period or part um, mm-hmm. and and those pieces at the same time you know the 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 mission of Global Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ who worship passionately and um, love extravagantly and witness boldly. Well, what does that mean? Right. Yeah. Like um, because I see those last three things. Those three things. Somebody who who worships. Um, you know, and and loves extravagantly, and who witnesses boldly. Mm-hmm. Those are fruit of being a disciple. Well, and they're also not distinct. So how many? So many people look at that and go, "Yeah, that's what my denomination's about too." Yeah, you know, we yeah. we care about that stuff too. Yeah. You're the only ones who care about that stuff. Yeah. So what are what are the? Uh, <laughs> John Wesley spent spilled a lot of ink on. Mm-hmm. Here's the distinctive nature of a Methodist. Right. Here is how we are different from others. Yeah. And I'm not sure that the Global Methodist Church is positioned to be able to do 
that. I think we got real spread out in the United Methodist mm-hmm. Church, mm-hmm. and so we can have these broad categories, mm-hmm. but when it gets to, okay, we worship boldly, this is what you're going to find in every global Methodist worship service. I don't think we're going to do that. Or, no, no. Uh, uh, love extravagantly. Every single church is going to have a ministry with the local board that looks like this. I, I don't think we're talking about that level of uniformity. But no. um, whether or not there is a coherent identity that, that right. does result in a whole family of ways that we live that out mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. I'm curious to see yeah. how that works. Well, and our, our doctrine, um, the, the book of doctrine, so within it, it actually, and I'm going to butcher this because um, mm-hmm. I don't have it right in front of me, okay, sure. so bear yeah. with me, uh, but there actually is a definition of what, what a disciple is, okay. um, and um, you know, it says, so what, what is a disciple? A, a, a disciple is one, an individual who obviously is uh, in Christ, but who, whose life reflects the character of Christ. Mm-hmm whose life um, pursues, um, again, I'm paraphrasing this, but whose light is one who pursues um, love of God and love of neighbor in deep ways, like, right, the love of God shed abroad in the heart, as yeah. Wesley, like, so, like, um, and, and, and so the love of God and love of neighbor within that, but also um, who, whose life is inspired and marked by the Scriptures, mm-hmm. Um, who is in community, so that each community might look different, but they are intentionally engaging and growing in Christ in in a local church body and community, mm-hmm. um, and seeking the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I think that's so important because you earlier you talked about programs. Yeah, and like I'm a structure guy. Sure. Um, yeah. You know my giftings administration. I believe structure can help us do things well. Yeah. But it is not the answer, right? Yeah, and that—that's where like people I throw them off because I'm like, I'm a big structure guy. We need structure, yeah. like, and yet structure can actually hinder us if we're so stuck. If if we see structure as the thing that saves, mm-hmm. and we may not speak that, right? But, but it can be implicit, yeah. But it can be implicit if we're not following the the leading of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. If we're not seeking wisdom from the Lord and 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 every day and what we're doing, mm-hmm. yeah, we're gonna mess up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, but if we're not seeking after the heart of God for um for not only us but mm-hmm. the people that that God has placed around us, yeah. Um, then what do we? What are we doing? Like, um... <laughs> I, I like that question right there. What are we doing? It's a rhetorical, it's a very powerful question that a lot of people yeah. never learn to step outside of themselves and ask. They just do the thing. They, mm-hmm. This is what I was taught. Yeah. And, and to have leadership that's able to ask that question, what are we doing here? Why are we doing it this way is so key. Yeah. And not just ask it right at the start mm-hmm. of this whole thing, but consistently yeah. throughout. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I see, you know, if we get structures built and then we rely on them for the next 20 years, what's going to make us any... De- we could end up in the same place. I hope we don't, right? But, like, so we've always, like, have to be asking that question. Yeah. Like, Lord, where where are you at work and how can I take part in yeah. it? Uh-huh. Um, what... We, we can make idols out of structure absolutely, and yeah. out of systems and out of like, Lord, what are those? Mm-hmm. Even if they're only six months old, what idols have I already created? 
Yeah. I, you know, like... And it gets harder as the, the organization gets older yeah. and a culture is established. And um, so one of, one of the things that we... Boxes that we have to tick off is mm-hmm. there are a lot of other Wesleyan denominations yeah. in our country, in our world. Yeah. The Global Methodist Church started off, you know, very intentionally not joining one of those, but becoming mm-hmm. a new body that, that many of those bodies are welcome to join. And I think some of them are talking about it. Yeah. I think some of them already have. Yeah. Um, but what is it that's distinctive about the Global Methodist Church that as as local churches that have disaffiliated from the United Methodist Church or are just looking for a new affiliation, what what do you think that they should keep in mind about the Global Methodist Church to determine whether or not we are a good fit for yeah. them? Yeah. And keep in mind, this church building and the other church I serve have not committed to a, a denomination mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. They're thinking, I, I think they're probably going to go GMC. But even so, what is it that they should know? Uh, I've I've interviewed, I don't know, four at this point, uh-huh. five, yeah. and I have a hard time keeping it all straight in my head. But what what do you think? I've asked the question like 40 times, so... Go. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're good. You're good. Um, you know, I I would say first of all, I just want to say, you know, going to Asbury, they're Wesleyan, but they're non-denominational seminary. So I have good friends from the multiple different Wesleyan oh, denominations, sure. and yeah. and they're all um, have have distinctives and are are great. Um, a, a few a few things I would say is, um, and the, uh, I guess that there are, are quite a few things, but yeah, one that the global the global nature. Now there are some some other Wesleyan denominations are global, but there are some that are just specific in in the United yeah, States. Right, yeah. um, and so uh, I mean, we you you did a, a podcast on Ke- Kenya and the movement that's happening there. There yeah. there are other um, countries um, a- across the globe who have joined or are in process. Yeah, I of interviewed joining. Uh, Reverend Correa in Spain. I'm, yeah. I'm talking with Daniel Toposki in uh, Bulgaria uh-huh. later this week. So awesome. it is authentically yeah. a global movement that yeah. is is going to get more so. Yeah, yeah. very good. Um, and so th- I think that's huge because. Um, like we look at look at Revelation, right? It's mm-hmm. the church of every nation, age, race. Like, uh, and so worshiping the Lord. And we talked about rural versus city. Well, what about tribal? And you know, what about all these different expressions of 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 the faith of people worshiping in different ways? Right. Having yeah. spent three months in Tanzania, I I loved worshiping there. I mean, mm-hmm. it was very different than what I was used to, but. Like man, they were you know they love the Lord and so some of those some of those pieces. How do we? I, I love that the Global Methodist Church is global because I think that's what the church is going. You right. know, when, when we get to the end, we're, we're going to be um, together, right? And and so that's a huge piece to me. Yeah, the nerdy term would be we are realizing the eschaton now in ways that many bodies cannot. Yeah. Or, you know, the ones that do, the Roman Catholic Church or the Eastern Orthodox Church, are theologically problematic, Mm -hmm. and so what we offer is a lot of the blessings that they do without the baggage of, um, well, I shouldn't say anything out loud, no need to offend right now, but uh, that we have the Wesleyan heritage and the Church Catholic Qualities that not many denominations do. Mm-hmm. So that's a yeah. great thing to focus on, I think. Yeah. You said there are many, though. Do you have others? Well, I would say um, uh, that that one is a, a large one. I, I would say another another big thing is a lot of people, and I don't want to. I, I hate to generalize, but the reality is mm-hmm. I, what I like to say, and I don't, I'm sure I heard this from somewhere, so I don't claim it to be mine, right? But I, I say. Um, a lot of people coming out of the United Methodist Church have what what I like to call denominational trauma. Sure, yeah. 
Um, they, church hurt. Well, yeah. well, it's not yeah. just local church hurt, but it's denominational trauma. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and and healing needs to happen. And so what what I have seen is um, there there's a significant struggle within the local church leadership, and mm. like. I'm not ready just to jump into another sure. marriage, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, this church right here, we've had people say, hey, you know, why why get back in a scenario if it yeah. can just get nasty again? Yeah. You know? and so-